High-stakes situations provide a unique challenge to the idea of reframing. How can failure in something very important actually be an opportunity? This challenge gets to the heart of reframing, and it's the topic of today's episode. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors. This is The Golden Hour. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to tell you about our new masterclass. Now, if you think working better means longer hours, just trying harder, or sacrificing relationships, then think again. In this four-week masterclass, now available on OptimWork.com, Dr. Kevin Majors will guide you through the key ideas and the practice that will help you transform your approach to work. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of The Golden Hour. I'm Sharif Yunus here with Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, it's great to have you back for another discussion. Thank you, Sharif. Thanks for having me back. Well, we got a really interesting email from someone who uses OptumWork a lot. And uh, it's a question about reframing and how to apply it in some of the situations that they've been encountering. So I thought we could go ahead and base the, the, this, this episode on that question and just go ahead and read the whole thing. It's, it's very interesting. Read the email. Yeah, it's interesting. So this person writes, there's a particular reframe used often which seems a bit paradoxical to me. And I think my peers in music might encounter the same stumbling block. One of OptumWorks' examples of reframing is of a cellist reframing a particular performance prior to as a step in her journey towards becoming a better cellist. So let's pretend the performance was actually an audition and it ends up not going well on stage, but it does give her important insights into learning how to be a better cellist. Let's also pretend it was the last audition that she could afford to take before she has to get a full-time job at a desk and drastically reduce practice time to almost nothing. So here it gets a little dramatic. Uh, But this type of situation is not at all unrealistic or uncommon for musicians. I know many people in various degrees of this situation. The New York Times article entitled The Juilliard Effect 10 Years Later, which enumerates many of these exact types of situations. For example, there is a great bassoonist who has to sell his bassoon to pay for rent after losing an audition. So now recall that the reframe was that this performance was a step towards becoming a better cellist. And there's the crux of the matter, Kevin. So where it gets, sadly, mm-hmm. even if she gained insight from the audition, there's a good chance she won't become a better cellist because she won't be able to play cello at all because that was her last audition and she failed. So the reframe borrows from a context which may or may not materialize. And so he goes on to say, one could argue that she could grow in bravery or some other quality, and that would be true no matter what. But it seems that the more general the reframe, the less energy it's capable of summoning whereas growing in skills as a cellist is much more motivating, but ultimately may not materialize. So, uh, so this person would be grateful for our help in addressing this. Um, and it's interesting, I think we can come up with other similar examples outside of the case of, of music. Maybe one example is taking the SAT, you know, something that you're only going to do once. So do you reframe it as improving your skills at taking the SAT or even at standardized testing? Uh, or or do I just focus on the outcome of getting into a good college? Um, but anyway, uh, Kevin, maybe you could uh, 
just briefly, uh, you know, comment on, on this. Do you think this is, a, I find it a fascinating question. What do you, what do you find interesting about it? It is, it is fascinating. And you can see that the person is, has the right concept of reframing. Okay. Cause reframing isn't simply telling yourself that things will be turned out fine. It's not like just giving yourself positive affirmations of that. Reframing always has to be in some way flipping your view of the situation so that it in some way brings out the best in you. Yeah, and the example, the cellist. Okay, well, whatever, this will help make me a better cellist. So it's fitting that a musician would come up then with this thing of how do you reframe when the stakes are really high? So, you know, and uh, if I remember the subject line uh, of the email, was the Achilles heel of reframing. So that was a nice, <laughs> a nice challenge. So I, I love the, 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 so I think there's a sense here of someone really grappling with how do you reframe when it could all be over? Like if this doesn't go well, then, then, you know, this, uh, you know, like the, you're going to have to change careers. So I think it's, I think it's a great question. And, and I, I think that it'll be uh, fruitful for us to be discussing it. Yeah. Great. Well, I thought uh, just, I think there's a lot here, so maybe we could uh, kind of go through it a little bit systematically. But first, um, towards the end, the person suggests that uh, uh, reframing something as, okay, f- through this audition, I might fail, but I can still grow in bravery or fortitude, that this is somehow more general and therefore less motivating than I can grow in my skills as a cellist or I can play really beautiful music right now. So is, does it seem to you that there's a trade-off between kind of generalizability of a reframe and its kind of capacity to provide motivation for a specific uh, situation? Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a very deep question that if you're reframing as, you know, and we often get questions about how to reframe different types of work, like PhD candidates often email us, how do I reframe my, I say often because it does actually happen <laughs> quite a bit. It seems like where I get this question, you know, uh, that uh, how do we you know, reframe our work in terms of service? And do they just see it as a general thing where I'm going to be serving, you know, humankind? And so this is my big, but when you get so general like that, it just doesn't seem to actually be motivating. But if you're serving some particular person, then it somehow it's more motivating. What I would say to that is, it's not necessarily is it general or specific. I think it's much more, is it abstract or is it real? If the concept of serving humanity was very real to you, it would be motivating. But if it's just a kind of some words you say, it's just an abstract idea in your head. It's the fact that it's abstract, that it's like a mental model, it's left-brained, that's actually what makes it not motivating. If it really, if, 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 if somehow the common good of humankind was really tangible to you and you had a sense that you were doing something profoundly serving that, well, then I think it actually, so there's something about, it has to be real for it to kind of be t- tangible not that you can actually touch it. It's the same with ideals. So you could tell yourself in your head, like the cellist, like, oh, I'm going to grow in fortitude. You know, but that could be unmotivating unless it was really deeply meaningful to her to grow in fortitude. And she had a feeling of the, like the reality of what that ideal could be like as she grows in it. The more real it is, the more motivating it is. 
But the more it's just a set of words or an abstraction or a formula in your head, then it wouldn't be effective at all. So I think that you can, anything that is real and good can become the context for the reframe. Yeah, but it has to be real and good. And that it, to you somehow matters. And it's like something you can touch. So once you, you've, you've discovered what that is, then it could be something very specific or it could be something more general as long as it's real. Now, how do we go about doing that? It seems I would love to have this view that working for the common good of humanity is very real for me, but unfortunately it's just an idea and therefore unmotivating. Uh, so how do I go w- one possible uh, way of, of making it real that I can think of is that you actually have to find a way that it would change what you do. So if you're starting a particular task and you're thinking, okay, this can be of service to humanity. Well, it, that has to, it's, there either has to be like, there has to be like two days, two ways of doing it. One that's not in service to humanity and one that is. And then by saying, I want to do this in service of humanity, you choose the way that actually is in service of humanity. Uh, so that's one possible way of making it real that I can think of. Do you have a kind of uh, another way of? Yeah, I think that if there's a real difference, then yes, you can latch onto that. And it somehow makes this thing of serving the common good more, more tangible. Um, in general, things that are intangible but real are spiritual. And all spiritual motivations are like this. But even, even ideals are like that, you know, that you have to have a sense of what does it really mean to have, you know, to be, say, you're aiming for a certain kind of um, thoughtfulness or a certain kind of being caring or generous. Well, in that sense, role models actually make it real. So if you have a real clear role model of how you want to be, then it's also made real. So I think, and often it's like, you know, the spiritual role models are the ones that combine all of this. So, but in any, in any you know, rate, you could say that once it's real, you can actually see that now there's real consequences, like you were saying, and it's going to make, it's going to make a real difference. And it's not just some words in my mind, but, uh, I think, you know, I think the, um, yeah, that I, there, there's always a danger that when you try reframing, you're just repeating certain words. And then they become abstractions and it, it just doesn't really motivate. Yeah, I, f- I find that sometimes unfortunately happens to me. Uh, and yeah. uh, okay, so... so yeah, it's like we, we have habits, there's mental habits and sometimes it worked yeah. and then you just kind of repeat it. But no, reframing always has to be fresh and yeah. somehow real. So this gets to a, another possible limitation to reframing uh, or a possible because we already said that's not a not a real limitation uh, is reframing in terms of skills. So sometimes we recommend that people can reframe in terms of skills, growing in a skill, growing in a virtue, or growing in a bond, uh, or developing a bond with some someone mm-hmm. else. So it, in this case, it seems like skills doesn't really work because they're on their last audition. You know, potentially the last. So if it, if in fact it is the last. There's no sense, in, there's no value in growing in skills for this person because they're not going to play the cello again. Uh, to give another example, if you're, you know, reframing, uh, t- taking a car ride, driving a car, it's not really valuable to me that I grow in my ability to drive. That's not, it has 
that doesn't motivate me. Uh, so, so is there some inherent limitation to reframing in terms of skills? I don't think so. I think whenever you have uh, uh, some kind of ideal that you can aim for to make a virtue, whenever you have a bond you can make more real, you also have skills that, that then are kind of the concrete steps that you're taking. But I would say for the cellist, uh, so what would, she be, what would she be afraid of? And could she improve her skill in meeting that kind of challenge? What are the emotions that she would have, the thoughts that she would have? So could, she, could that be a skill to grow in, handling these thoughts? So she's having thoughts you know, that she's going to fail, and then everything is ruined. Well, that's one skill she could grow in. So she could grow in the skill of identifying those thoughts and being compassionate with them while not getting caught up in them. So I think you can always locate some skills because essentially the question is, what would make this easier the next time? And even if there is no next time, what could make this kind of thing easier? And even if there's no other kind of thing, then what would make life easier? But you always, and, and what makes it easier is actually some specific skill that you get good in. Now then using that skill to actually grow your character in a particular way, that then becomes a virtue. Yeah, and that ends up improving your ability to form deeper bonds. So I think, in fact, the kind of skills, ideals, and bonds are inseparable. It's just different ways of looking at it. You know, one is the practical step you can get good at. The other is the kind of quality in yourself you can grow. And then the other is the bond that you can grow. And those always are going to be working together. So I think you just have to, like, identify what is the skill that would make this, whatever this might be, easier the next time. Okay. I see. So the cellist can practice kind of handling nerves before a big performance. And then even if she doesn't get the, you know, succeed in the audition and uh, has to unfortunately take a desk job, well, she might have a big, she might have big presentations that she has to give there. So this, the, that skill of handling nerves will then yeah. come in useful. And first, okay. I have to say, having a desk job is not like the, an end of life experience. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, many people can be very happy, you know, uh, you know, working at a desk. Uh, much of what I do is at a desk. You know, so I, I think, say, yeah. <laughs> much of what I'm saying it somewhat jokingly because I exactly. have a desk job. <laughs> and so I think like there's plenty of ways of having great meaning in life. And, and one of the problems here is there's a kind of constriction in the person's focus by as if all meaning is tied to winning at the cello performance or getting the cello audition. But no, I mean, life has vast reserves of meaning in it. And the deepest ones are completely independent of the content of the work you're doing. It's actually how you are growing and how your bonds with others are deepening. And that's com those are completely independent of the actual content of your work. Yeah. Well, great. I think that's a great segue into the next question, which is, in general, um, how do you reframe kind of high-stakes situations like this? How do you approach them? And I can think of, of just two parts to this question. Uh, one is in preparation for the audition. How, how do you reframe that? And then the second is, Okay, supposing that you fail in the audition. Now, we're saying that you can actually reframe the very failure, that you can see it as a good thing, as an opportunity in some way. So how would you approach that question? It seems to me a very difficult thing, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, I think the, this gets to a problem 
that is, let me just say, the issue here is that the frame has been fixed so that the person has determined that success in this one thing is somehow absolutely necessary. And I would say that a fixed frame makes reframing impossible. So you can't actually reframe with a fixed frame. When I put it that way, maybe it sounds, it sounds really clear, but it's a subtle point is that you, you always have to be able to broaden the context. That when you're dreading some outcome, it's because that outcome is not being seen in the widest possible context. And the widest possible context is the wisest one. So how can you know, this audition experience teach me something about life that is profound and wise? Could I use this as an opportunity to grow in wisdom? Well, that would mean jettisoning the fixed frame that the only happiness in life would be winning at this, which is kind of, not that, not that the email said that, but I think that can be a very understandable, you know, because we like to have goals and we like to, you know, get ourselves geared up. And so, uh, and if people didn't have some outcomes to focus on, they wouldn't really be like uh, exceeding themselves and trying to stretch themselves to be always better and better. So there's something about having outcomes that on the one hand, you do want them to matter to you because you want to stretch yourself to get there. And if you want to be preparing for an audition, you want to be practicing at your best. And and you, you really want to be like striving. But at the same time, if you start dreading the audition, you've now the thing has changed and now the outcome has become somehow made absolute. Yeah, I think that you could be loving the challenge, you know, and loving like, like the just getting better at playing and getting better at setting goals for yourself and attaining them. And as long as you love the process and working and getting better at that process, you have a wealth of things that are just totally transferable to any other challenge in life of how to break it down, identify smaller goals, come up with a plan for attaining them and challenge yourself. I think that's a beautiful thing to learn. So you could actually think that the process here of getting really good at auditioning, of preparing for it and giving it your best is so enriching that the outcome actually doesn't matter as much. You know, and that would be, I think, a wonderful place to be. And if the person, I think that this, at some point, almost gets to be heroic, to be able to really give your best and at the same time be somehow detached from the outcome, right? That, but I think that if a person can do that, they have possibilities of limitless growth ahead of them because they'll be able to constantly challenge themselves without the fear of failing. And to be able to face a life and all the challenges, giving your best without a fear of failing is like a superpower. So yes, it's painful. And yes, the experience you know, is fraught with potential dread. But at the same time, it could be incredibly rewarding as long as you don't get your heart overly set on like in some outcome. Because within that fixed frame of the outcome being re- somehow required, you can't actually reframe. That's great. So, um, 
So does this approach not, how do you get around like trivializing the outcome? Because it seems like people get their hearts set on an outcome for a particular reason. It's important for their livelihood or some other thing like that. So how do you say that? Are you saying that's not important? Or I, I might be missing a nuance here. Well, I, I, that's a very good point. And if I were just to start by saying, hey, get good at failing, you'll enrich your life with that <laughs> kind of yeah. approach. That would be, I think that'd be a problem. Um, on the one hand, you do like, I think that it's a wonderful thing that people set themselves for like challenging high stakes things. I think getting a job as a musician is, the statistics are show that this is extremely difficult to do. I think getting a tenured position in a university you know, with a PhD is a very hard thing to do. Uh, we could talk about systemic issues. You know, are there too many people being trained for too few positions? You know, and I guess that's not my specialty. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know, but I do know that um, those things are very hard to attain. Uh, and so people need to see how much they can benefit through the whole process of attaining, you know, of going for those things so that they can learn. I think the more they can appreciate the ways this process has taught them how to approach challenge, how to deal with failure, the more deployable all their qualities are going to be in any situation. And they'll find that they don't have to have a limited life. They just need to come be creative and flexible with setting now new goals. And, and, and the, the more people are focused on an outcome, the less they see all the ways that they were actually growing and benefiting. And the more they can see in themselves how they're growing and benefiting, then they can double down on the process. I do think there's a sense that we do our best process focus when we have, like, when we're, when we're treating something a little bit like a game. You know, and I remember in, in uh, college, you know, in college, if you want to go to med school, like every potential, every test is potentially high stakes. Because if you get a lower grade, a lower GPA, then it, it can throw off the whole thing. Well, focusing on that wouldn't help me at all. And, you know, but treating each class like it's a game that I'm just going to get really good at how to play this game. I don't think it was trivializing the class, but instead it kept me with the kind of sporting spirit of, you know, I call it game theory. So it's not actually game theory, but in my mind, this idea of a game theory, it helps so much to get, be, to not be tied to outcomes, just focus on, in, this, in the case, like in studies, really getting good at mastering knowledge and mastering material. So, I think you could use an example of research. Take any kind of scientific research. If a scientist like is trying out, like you know, trying to figure, um, trying to locate the Higgs boson, okay, well then it's going to be very possible that this particular experiment doesn't work. And if he or she were super tied that this has to work, this has to be the thing that does it. Like, otherwise, I'm not getting any more funding and it's the last chance I'll have. Well, none of that is, is going to be helpful for science. In fact, you have to be viewing it as either way, the outcome, like a scientist could never be attached to one outcome of a trial. 
is so it induces all these perverse incentives to somehow skew things. What, the, what really you have to have is a kind of purity of intention of, I want to learn more. And if it doesn't work, then we're going to advance science by finding out why it doesn't work. And if it does work, then hopefully we know why, but we're still going to keep on studying to see why. So once you, you have a, a, you can't have the frame be that this experiment give me this result. It has to be a broader frame of advancing the, the knowledge, scientific knowledge. So I think if you have, you have to approach things with that kind of the detachment of a researcher, and it may be that in life there are other, you know, it's like you're running an experiment and the experiment is culminating in this audition. But if it doesn't work, then you're going to try to equip yourself for the next thing. You know, because it's really the grand experiment is what is going to be my path to the most fulfilling life? You know, and it might be that that particular path then isn't viable, but the great experiment runs on. How am I going to be growing the most and loving the most? Uh, can I run one one more possibility by you? It sounds rather callous, but uh, I, suppose that you didn't get the you didn't succeed in the audition, and they selected some other person over you. I mean, could a potential reframe be well? Ultimately, I was in it you know, to help this orchestra. And it seems like they found someone better than me. So it seems like they're even better off. So it, it's almost like thinking of like the common good in some way. But uh, so I'm, I'm glad that the best person got the job. I'm just, I guess the best person didn't happen to be me. But w- would you ever recommend people to reframe that way? Almost like in a kind of selfless way, I would say. I, you would still need something positive and real for the person to say, I can see how this is actually an opportunity for me to grow and to deepen bonds. You know, and so if I can have more equanimity, if I can maintain my peace in the midst of some letdown or defeat, maybe then they have to see that as the good. So I think that there's always a way in which you can be growing actually, you know, that there's something in this. Um, I don't, I don't think the events of our lives are going to be maximized for our comfort or satisfaction, but in some ways they are always maximized for our growth, you know, and, and our, so in some way there's a deeper way I can be growing here. And I think that actually has to be the reframe. There's something about a selfless reframe, which leaves it as negative for me. I think it hasn't gone deep enough. You can always find a way here that as these things unfold in life, this actually is an opportunity for me to grow in wisdom or peace, equanimity, some kind of deeper thing that they could see would actually make me much more the kind of person that I would most want to be. All right. Well, Kevin, you've changed my mind on a lot of things today. So uh, if you challenged a lot continue. of things here, this is, this is great. And we're so grateful for the email too. And uh, we love yeah. getting these, these challenging emails. Yeah, keep them coming. Yeah. Great. Well, we will be back next week. All right. See you then. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.